Welcome to Training for Godliness, the podcast program of Spiritual Fitness Ministries of Greenwood, South Carolina. I'm your host, Chaplain Gray. If you are joining us for the first time, this series of episodes is titled A Special Strength, and we are taking a look at the first responders and those who work to protect and to serve their communities. In the previous four weeks, we've heard from first responders themselves, one a retired sheriff and one public servant who has worked in the field for 40 plus years and still serves as a county coroner. For these last two sessions, I have asked a new friend, Dylan Stone, to join me. He is an emergency services chaplain with an organization serving emergency agencies in the Durham, North Carolina area. Again, thanks for joining, and here is the first part of my chat with Chaplain Dylan Stone. So today our uh, guest uh, is Dylan Stone. He is with an organization in North Carolina called eChat, and um, it's really great to have you on the show today. Dylan, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and and how you are connected to uh, to the first responder community. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Dylan Stone. I serve with a ministry, um, like you said, based here in Durham, North Carolina, called Emergency Chaplains. Um, we were founded in 2008. Um, our executive director uh, had a um, a calling to serve first responders through a chaplaincy ministry, and so he and his wife uh, committed everything they had to, uh, to to doing just that, to serving first responders and. Um, it started just here in Durham County, was serving our local agencies, and it's grown uh, over the last 12 years to um, serving several counties across the state um, and having uh, roughly a, somewhere between 65 to 70 volunteer chaplains that serve with us mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, yeah, we're we're incredibly blessed. Um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about this as we go, but yeah, we 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 provide services to agencies and responders we we have uh some trained counselors on our staff who um, are available to provide counsel and care for responders and their families at no charge um, okay. and really it's just a ministry of presence that allows us to um to, to better serve our responders to to uh to provide spiritual care as needed so mm-hmm. that's great well you know i just i, I have this um this vision that you know our first, and I'm finding this out firsthand. You know, our first responders have just this tremendous strength within them, and to, to face the stuff that they see, you know, they they see people at their very worst. Um, you know, law enforcement guys uh, and, and gals see just some horrible things. I mean, they all come across difficult situations, and while it may not be as frequent as Hollywood portrays it. You know, I, I think they, Absolutely. they they have a they can have a rough week. Um, so how does how do some of these brothers and sisters that that are believers believers how do they deal with seeing all this tragedy and and brokenness? You you probably have a feeling for how they manage that. Yeah. So as believers, you know we we understand that the world is broken. That, you know we live in a sinful world that. Uh, you know, this, this is not the way that it was intended to be. Mm. 
And because of that, you know, believers that serve in in these capacities understand that. Um, but it still takes a huge toll on them uh, mentally, physically, mm-hmm. emotionally. Um, without a doubt, you know, just the constant exposure. And I've said this many times that uh, that first responders see the worst that society has to offer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that for for those who are believers, those who place their faith in in Christ, that they know um, that man, you know, God's promised us that one day He's going to make all things right, and that mm. He has, um, yeah. Yeah, that he's provided um, that promise to us, and but it still it still takes a toll on them, you know. Even yeah, even with that yeah. knowledge, just the constant exposure to it. Sure, sure. So, well, I think too, you know, they they probably uh, in talking with some of these guys, the schedules that they keep, you know, they they probably can't continually be fed. You know, as, as, uh, you know, other people are. I mean, it's, it's difficult. Mm. It's probably difficult to get to a worship service on a Sunday morning. You know, it's probably difficult to take part in some, in some good Christian fellowship. So, so even, you know, carrying out some of those spiritual disciplines must be a difficult thing to do with, with their kind of schedules and, and stresses that they face. Right. Most responders are on a set schedule in terms of how Mm -hmm. their rotation works. So it's a regular schedule in those terms, but it's a very irregular schedule as far as really what the rest of our society deems regular. You know, most of us work, you know, nine to five jobs, Monday to Friday. So you can plan your time out, you know, pretty accordingly. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those disciplines are hard when it comes to you know, attending worship services and small groups and just things that would happen. Mm-hmm. Of course, that for, you know, many of us in in society would be completely accessible. Um, but for them, of course, it, you know, it, it, it absolutely is very difficult for them to, to have those mm-hmm. uh, normal, normal social lives in a big aspect. Right. right, right. So now when you, when you're, when you come across folks that, that you feel like are possibly non-believers, um, and I know the mission of your organization is to is to build relationships and and hopefully uh, you know be able to to uh, uh, take a, an a, um, invitation to to bring up a spiritual matter. But um, right. how, you know how do those folks that are non-believers do you see them uh, a way that they they struggle with these situations and what how do they handle it? Do they do you see a difference in the way they handle it? Does, the way a believer would handle seeing it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that regardless of whether you're a believer or not, you know, anyone can look at the world and say that something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that that clearly there's an issue because we do see evil things happening in our world. Um, for for those that are non-believers, a lot of times they'll um, you know they they'll still find um, support through, of course, family and uh, and social groups that they might be a part of. But like we said, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to maintain those, that, that regular uh, social life because the, you know, their schedule is very irregular compared to what mm-hmm. we're you know, mm-hmm. used to in society. But 
Um, a lot of it is just regular coping mechanisms that they have to learn early on and how to mm-hmm. to pace themselves and, and and really having those outlets, whether it be with coworkers um, or friends or family, that they have to have those those people that they can that they can uh, uh, relieve a lot of that stress to. Right, right. Well, I know, and you may see this too, Dylan. I, I see, you know, in in some departments, you you often have those grizzly old veterans that have been around the block many times, but then you have these new new employees, these new folks that are coming into this, um, and and uh, you know some of them don't really have much background. Uh, you know they've been to the academies or whatever, and then some of them might have served the country and you know through military. But um, I imagine some of the new people coming in. May may have some struggles that um, that that may manifest itself, you know, quickly, as opposed to the folks that have been around the block. I, I don't, do do you see? I mean, you you're working with them more so than even I am right now. So I don't know if that's been your experience or not. Yeah, um, a lot of new recruits, you know, they. Uh they learn very quickly, you know, how much of it that uh, mentally they can they can take on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I mentioned this earlier that uh, that many of them um, they have to learn the coping mechanisms, those healthy coping mechanisms, early mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. order to do this because there's uh, man, there's so much that comes with uh, not having healthy mechanisms to help you work through the things that you see, the things you experience. Um, and of course, you know, the, the guys that are veterans, you know, the, the guys and gals that are, have, that have been doing this for many, many years. Many of them are, mm-hmm. you know, nearing mm-hmm. retirement age and, um, they've, they've spent their careers, you know, they also at, at one time were in the same place as the recruits today. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so, you know, sure. they've, you know, of course, they themselves have had to learn a lot of this stuff as well. And, um, and and some people handle it better than others when it comes to right. the things you see and how much of it you see. Right, right. Well, it may be you know um, talking a little bit about you know serving as a chaplain for these folks. A lot of people think about you know uh, of course the military chaplain and and people to think about a hospital chaplain and and a lot of people can relate to having a chaplain around the emergency you know personnel. Um, can you give an example about how what some of the things you do to support and encourage uh, some of these folks? Uh, I know I follow along your, you know, with you all's newsletter some things, but um, you know some of the listeners, uh, particularly here in our community, uh, may may not be familiar with some of the ways that a chaplain can support emergency personnel. Yeah, so. Like I mentioned uh, in the very beginning that, you know, one of the things our ministry does that we try to communicate very early on when we talk to recruits and and those coming into these uh, areas of service where we um, are able to, to have a presence to them, that we do provide counseling and care for them and their families at no charge to them or the department. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. just something that we provide for them that they're aware this is an outlet, you know, that you have if right. you need that, 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 that type of care. And, of course, we'll provide spiritual care. Um, if we're mm-hmm. invited to do so. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, uh, what I do and what, you know, many of our volunteer chaplains do is the agencies that they serve. Um, I can tell you from my personal experience that mm-hmm. um, the 
the agencies that I serve, I, I do my very best to do regular station visits. Of course, uh, okay. prior to the pandemic, I was able to do a lot of ride-alongs. <laughs> right. Um, and, of course, you know, the, the pandemic has changed a lot of things as far as, you know, the access and some of the things we're able to do. But right, uh, for right. me, those ride-alongs were, were foundational because that was the time that I invested getting to know my officers, not just as a group, but individually. Right. Um, and right. I built a lot of great relationships with, with officers and medics that way that um, mm-hmm. that they saw, you know, that that I care for them, that, you know, we as a ministry, that we want to be there for them, we want to support them and, mm-hmm. and care for mm-hmm. them as best as we can. So, um, yeah, it sounds like you got some uh, emergency vehicles going on there behind you. <laughs> Yeah, we do. We, we're right on the route and the, the fire guys go by here every day. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, um, but yeah, so those, yeah, I mean, those ride-alongs for me were foundational when I first started, uh, ministering mm-hmm. to these agencies because it allowed me to build those relationships. And of course now, you know, since we're in the pandemic, it's changed a lot where we're, we're not really able to do as much of that, but I'm still, um, I still do regular rounds at the departments where right. I'm able to still see the officers and be with them, um, with you know during their pre-shift meetings and that kind of thing, and actually be right. a part of them. Just let them know I'm still here. Right, right. Yeah, that was during the during the height of the shutdown around here. Um, I was told by an officer, you know, Gray, I know you want to, I know you want to step back a little bit, but if they'll let you, and that being the key. You know, don't forget, out of sight, out of mind. And and hmm. he said, you know, if if you're not if you don't have a presence among those patrol officers, you know, and constantly being out there and being seen and on a ride, they you know those those kind of things will will kind of get out of their out of their brain that, that you're that you're out there, you know. So um, yeah. So I, I've been I've been fortunate to be able to get back into the ride-alongs, and uh, and, and I would I would attest to the same thing. It's it's very foundational in, in building those relationships. Um real real important. Absolutely. Um, um so you know I, I guess we um and we talked a little bit about it uh you know um a, a, a moment or so ago but you know you I know we all think about these guys as being tough as nails but um mm-hmm. you know I, I know I know it's gotta take a toll on them and you talked a little bit about that. And some of the unhealthy responses. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, um, I, I know I know in the emergency personnel, the suicide rates are are high. Divorce rates, um, probably addiction. I mean, those are those are some of the things we're trying to avoid, right? I mean, those are the yeah. those are the things that, that but they do crop up. I mean, they are prevalent across our country, if I'm not mistaken. No, Gray, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, statistically, um, every year, it, uh, unfortunately, it's very much uh, been consistent over the last um, several years that we lose more officers and other first responders to suicide than we do line of duty deaths. And mm, um, for those yeah. who might not be aware, a line of duty death is when um, somebody uh, in the first responder field loses their lives while performing the duties of their job. And the reason mm-hmm, that's so significant mm-hmm. is because is because of the fact that first responders have dangerous jobs. 
Right. And right. we're losing we're losing more of them to issues like suicide and substance abuse than we do them performing mm-hmm. these dangerous jobs that that they do for our community. So that's man, it it, it really is heartbreaking. Um, it's yes. one of the things that, that that really fuels my passion and desire for this ministry because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we want to see those numbers decrease. Right, right. Um, we, Absolutely. We, we want to see more healthy uh, first responders who are, um, you know, able to cope with the things that they see and the things they deal with and have um, and have those you know, healthy coping mechanisms in place. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely it, it, yeah, it's definitely heartbreaking to see the just the unhealthy responses, like you said, to that stress that their jobs uh, their jobs place on them and their families. Um, we mm-hmm. see higher mm-hmm. divorce rates as well. Um, that's that's uh, very prevalent among the first responder community, unfortunately, and because it does take a, a toll on their families. Right, and I think often right. we 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 tend to forget about that. Is that you know their families mm-hmm. also carry the burden along with them? So, I am so thankful that Dylan joined me for this topic, as he has brought the perspective of one who is serving the servants. He'll be back next week, so be sure and join us for part six of a special strength. And thank you once again for joining us today on training for godliness the podcast program of Spiritual Fitness Ministries. Remember, His steadfast love endures forever. Until next time, this is Chaplain Gray.